believe you two took that raving lunatic seriously. What do you think this is? Welcome, everyone. We are back for another episode of Drop the Mic. I am Darren Jenkins, your host. With me on the show today, uh, uh, you know, uh, I was going through your stuff, um, Steve <laughs> Lipshade. I was going through your stuff, and dude, first of all, thanks for being on the show. Sure thing. Um, second of all, um, I was going through uh, some of the stuff that you've worked on on your website. Man, you could give like a master class in editing. Seriously, you're you're really good like your stuff is really good and um oh, thank you uh i guess you know let's let's start from the beginning a little bit i guess and so you're you're are you you're you're from new jersey are you originally from new jersey or is that where you just happen to be right now uh i live my whole life pretty much in new jersey i mean i was born in Connecticut, but I have no interesting stories about that. I left, except for that. I, I remember, I remember having my first philosophical thought. Uh, I don't know uh, if this is a real memory or not, but I remember looking out the window and moving and thinking, "I'm moving, and I'm three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, deep uh, which was kind of my first deep thought that I can recall having. Uh, but I've been. Uh, uh, then lived in Albany, New York for a little while, and then, but most of my life in Jersey. I, I see that we kind of um, have a little bit in common, and some in that we both went to college in in Jersey. You went to Rowan, and I went to the, the College of New Jersey or Trenton State College, as it was at the time. Well, I have I, I I have to jump right in and tell you there. My son goes there right now. Oh, he's going to a great school. Me? He is he is in his sophomore year right now, uh, and uh, he's of course uh, here at home uh, studying computer science. Oh, nice, cool. So, so we have a you 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 and he have that in common. <laughs> well, my one of my best friends went to Rowan, so I spent a lot of time on the Rowan c- campuses uh, during when I was in school. So yeah, and then I played basketball, so obviously I would I would visit there a couple times this, this season. So, um, so. Uh, where so film like when when did film decide to enter the picture for you like when was the first thought of that's something I want to do uh I feel like I always had that thought I mean literally always I've I've got I've got these little like uh flip it cartoons that you made with the flip card oh yeah and this is when I mean a, a very small child i mean we're talking maybe six seven or so and um uh i've got and then when i was uh 11 i made a film literally the title was my first film that was the (laughs) the title of the film my first film so that would indicate that there would have been more and what that was was just uh uh it was cardboard cutouts uh moving around animated and uh mm. and then a, a car then i had something that was drawing itself a cartoon character where you kind of like see it drawn and then the colors move in and then he kind of says hello and leaves i remember doing stuff like you know i remember i used to take um i would draw the scenes on 
pieces of paper and I would tape the, the scene, tape them together like I was splicing film, and I would right. put them on spools and have it in a box where I could like spin, you know, spin it and like see each scene. So it's funny, like how like how at that point in in your life you you is you just so in enthralled with telling this story that you create any way of possibly doing it and um how it ends up transforming what you've done like well some people keep going some people don't but i feel like us the filmmakers that i know of all have similar stories to that where they were creating on index card i did that to get index flip index cards and right um i've done stop motion when i before stop motion was like you know like at that point it was just you taking a picture and doing stuff you didn't know what stop motion you were just doing whatever you thought was cool yeah it was a super eight camera and i just did a you know frame by frame um But the th- the thing about it is, is that it it's it's never been casual. Meaning, like, oh, this would be fun. It's it's right. kind of where this is something that I must do. This is something I have to do. This is something I'm meant to do, and it's the kind of thing that I feel like. I mean, I would want to keep doing it until I drop dead, <laughs> you know, mm. or, or or keep trying for it because right. when you love it that much. Uh, you love doing it just as much as you love trying to do it. So even, uh, you know, uh, like right now I'm striving to take uh, life on pause, uh, which you saw the, of course the uh, short uh, for, uh, and making it into a feature and just the process alone of talking about it with people, sending people the script, talking about the script, storyboarding, uh, just the entire process. It just, I get this rush of adrenaline. Like this is what, I have to do. I can't not do it. Mm. It's, you know, it's, it is, there's um, there's something in there. And it, as I said, it, it was from such a young age that it was never like a conscious decision. Like, oh, this, oh, this seems fun. It's just always like something that just had to be there. Uh, did you, so at that point, it was just about, you really wanted to just, be a filmmaker or or what whatever it was called maybe you didn't even have a name for it but you knew what you you knew what you wanted to do it was just a matter of you just did it and um when did you decide like what elements of the industry that you wanted to be in because it's such a you know like it could have gone anywhere right you could have decided oh i want to be an actor or i wanted to be a producer or what what like where what was the evolution there uh i mean i always wanted to make films but then oh that but then of course becomes the question of uh that's great but uh how am I going to make a living? Uh, and I've never, I've never made a living through things that are completely different from that. Uh, so, uh, while I all starting when I was in high school, I started videotaping weddings. (laughs) And so I did, I did it from the age of 14, uh, all the way through college. 
Mm -hmm. And then I started my own company after college doing it. Uh, I never loved doing it. Matter of fact, I kind of hated doing it. But in my mind, at least at the time, was, well, hey, this is pretty decent money. Uh, why don't I do this on the weekends? And I can, I can kind of like finance, uh, you know, put the money aside and make films and so forth. The fact of the matter is it was just impossible because that – that kind of job takes such a toll on you. And at the time, uh, and I explore this in Life on Pause, I mean, it was a totally different time in terms of the equipment was incredibly cumbersome and yeah. incredibly temperamental uh, in that, uh, I mean, the cords, uh, uh, you had to make sure everything was secure. There yeah. were so many things that could go wrong that I was just in recovery mode most of the time. Uh, and it's it's so thankless in that in many ways it's harder than, you know, the planned shoot where you've got a script and, uh, and all of that, because the real events that you've got to be there on time at the right moment and you don't have a second uh, chance. Right. So um, it was just so stressful that I re and then what it, what I eventually got out of it because I got two different hernias. Oh, wow. I, I got one on the left side. And then I got one on the right side the following year, oh and the one and the and the, when the one on the right side, I thought, all right, this is it, I'm done. So what am I going to do? And I had realized that the part of the process that I enjoyed the most was the editing process. Right. So I thought, well, if I can edit wedding videos, how about I edit something better than that? Right. right. <laughs> and so. Um, I had I had always loved editing and I went to a con I was a member of some film group and they I went to a conference where they had two different editing systems, one called EMC Squared mm -hmm. and the other one called Avid. Oh. <laughs> and so uh, both of them were talking about how they were great systems and I thought I should learn one of these. And they were both giving seminars and I, I thought Avid looks pretty good. And so I went and I took an Avid class and sure enough, EMC squared. I don't think anyone knows about that anymore. That completely disappeared. And uh, so then I decided the uh, editing is the thing. Mm. And uh, then uh, early nineties, I got my first staff editing job. I worked at four different uh, editing houses, post-production facilities right. as a staff editor. And then I went freelance in, end of 2002 and i've been freelance ever since right. but during the course of that whole time i've never stopped writing never stopped uh, uh making films on the side right. and uh little by little bubbling up uh it's taken more of a it's become more at front and center right. uh i'm not making a living doing it at the moment but it's getting you know further and further out there to the point where um uh, it's getting exposure and mm. that kind of thing. I, so, so when was what was the first thing that you actually um, directed? Uh, the first thing that I directed, well, I mean, I directed many things uh, as a, when I went to a, a film school. Right. right. But in terms of in terms of an adult, <laughs> the first thing I directed was a film called The Masterpiece. Mm. Uh, and that came that the, the, the premise of that, it's kind of like uh, uh, the greatest film of all time, but for like, like Spinal Tap, but for film instead of a band. Uh -huh. So uh, you've got this uh, really obviously ridiculous 
ridiculously horrible movie, but horrible in a way that's just like outrageous <laughs> with these expanding styrofoam body parts, this pink alien gliding around for no reason, mm -hmm. uh, acting that's, I mean, there's bad acting and then there's this kind of acting, you know, like kind of crazy. <laughs> and and uh, the way this came about is uh, back when I was in NYU film school, I did a film called Expanding on an Idea, which ne actually never got finished. It was just really terribly, uh, I, I just got involved with a lot of people that didn't know what they were doing. Mm. Uh, I didn't totally know what I was doing. And uh, it just, the whole thing kind of came to a crashing halt. Uh, and I kind of, I put it on the shelf and I wanted to forget that it ever took place. It was a really, really scarred me. Mm. Uh, mm. And about 10 years after the fact, I was taking all my old, uh, NYU films and old projects and kind of like tweaking them and making them look nicer and smoother uh, and an avid. And, you know, now that I was a professional editor, I thought, let me, let me give the treatment to all my old stuff. And I, I made everything look so much better and nicer. And then I got to the point where like, Oh, what about expanding on an idea? And suddenly I had all this, like, I thought, Oh, I don't want to look at it. I had not looked at it. I mean, mm -hmm. I just really, it was almost like it just scarred me so terribly i didn't even want i wanted to forget it ever took place and so i i pulled i pulled the footage off of the shelf you know so to speak and looked at it and i realized holy shit this is really hysterically funny and um uh, in an insane way right uh, and not only did i have this footage which was way over the top in a way that you could never have made on purpose uh but uh, I had all this behind actual behind the scenes footage. I got my, my roommate at NYU to mm. go around and film everything that was happening. He was an older guy at the time. And I think he got, he had more of some insight as to like the ridiculousness of the situation. And he got a lot of interesting things. And I come off as this incredibly serious young guy. And, and part of it is because there were so many problems that I was, you know, uh, dead serious but i also was focused on my craft at the time so you've got me being like really serious and and focused on what i'm doing and all this ridiculousness going on around me mm. uh, and so i put it all and then i did new interviews with people who pretended they were part of the film so we have someone being the extraterrestrial behavioral specialist the sexuality coach the drama coach uh and they talked about being part of this incredible film known as the greatest film of all time <laughs> and uh that it was an intent initially i was working on that being a feature uh, and I put together like this 16 minute short to try to promote it. And then I kind of realized, you know what? I don't think this joke is going to last for 90 minutes. Uh, I don't think it really can be like a full out story. So the short ended up being the full, uh, piece. Mm. And that was the first, that was the first thing that I did. And it, and it ended up, it showed it, a, I didn't apply to film festivals, but I was at the IFFM and it showed at the Angelica Film Center and Two Boots Theater in New York. And, um, it really got a great response in terms of audiences hysterically laughing. Uh, but it didn't, it did not get into a lot of, uh, uh festivals. So I kind of left it there and put it on YouTube and moved on. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, you know, it, that's, that seemed, uh, what you described kind of is like, uh, feel like the story of like most 
um, short films and <laughs> because, yeah. you know, filmmakers like short, like for a long time, short films had like this thing where they, it was almost negative in a sense to have it be a short film because people, it was almost like, well, it wasn't good enough to be a, a feature or something like that. But I argue that the, the, the format or the, the, the format of, short film is kind of like um sketch comedy in, in, in that some jokes aren't meant to go past the three minutes or whatever it is that it lives you know what i mean like it it, it just fits in the box and it's perfect for that size and right. and that genre i think and then once i think what happened what ended up happening was technology between technology like youtube and mobile phones demanding shorter content and the like people starting to see just really good short films um the theaters would show some stuff festivals obviously were starting to accept better and i think the quality started to increase and now short films to me are just like it's even to the point where now um you get demands for short films through distribution and for finance which is great it's a it's a great you know, if you can luck into like one of those two things, um, even, even, I haven't seen it on, I mean, I haven't seen that much on Netflix to, to be saying, but other, there are other, there are a lot of other distribution platforms for short film now. Amazon has tons of them. Yeah. Lot, tons of them. So, although they did recently say something about their leaning away from independent films, but we'll see if that, comes to fruition but um so um as you're growing up trying to be this filmmaker like like it is is creativity is it like what are your parents creative did they kind of support you in that effort or this was like well they they supported me you know they're not of the same exactly of the same mindset per se uh they're very i mean my father is very uh creative but in a technical sense gotcha uh so uh he's an engineer and he designed all these patents uh for companies that he worked for so there definitely is creativity there it's right. not um the same uh, as this kind of creativity, you know, so a lot, a lot of the, uh, a lot of what they discussed with me was the pragmatic side of it. Like, uh, I made, uh, a lot of films, uh, when I was, you know, in school age and, uh, there was one that I made just prior to college called cheese which was all these like sketch comedy uh, sketch comedy all about cheese and i actually took the george orwell novel 1984 and i made it into it's all cheese related. So there's big cheddar and Winston Swiss and uh, people like secretly wanting to eat meat, but, uh, but cheese is what's, you know, uh, uh, society has defined. And I was just, I was just into like, I really want to make this. And it just happened to be prior to college time. My 
parents were, were were looking at, well, I mean, you need to cater this to like getting into college. They looked at it in more of a practical sense, which mm-hmm. is not wrong, but it's, I mean, my mindset was like strictly on the creativity uh, at that time. Right. Um, so it's just, it, it's a diff, it's a slightly different mindset, but, um, um, but yeah, there was support. Oh, Oh, so cheese. So cheese is a film. So, so there's a comment in one in in the feed here from Eric. Hi, Eric. Oh yes, uh, that's a long, long-time friend of mine. I was like, cheese. What? What's going yeah. on? <laughs> yeah, and it, it's written twice. I see. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, he he has seen it. Uh, I mean, I made it when I was 16 years old, and um, but it ended up being a. I made it in high school. But it, it it ended up being kind of like a personalized cult classic through mm. throughout college in that everyone in college like liked seeing it and it was just it's just so insane you know uh, the jokes that are in it and it so it kind of had a life that went a little bit beyond um, uh, when I had made it but it's it's kind of a, it is something else that I'm known for all, you know within personal circles so that's that's where that comes from well it's funny these you to say that because I too am known for cheese because <laughs> I, I I say to my friends all the time friends who know me I tell them the cheese is the one word that you can say at any time if and people, will make it'll put a smile on someone's face and so i have friends who on facebook will out of the blue just tell like text me and go cheese because they know i love the word cheese i think it's hilarious i put it in all my sketches um so i'm i'm very big of supporter of your of your of your short film cheese well that's that's actually a feature believe it or not because it's the first it's an hour of 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 individual comedy sketches and then the last half hour it gets into the the george orwell parody oh that's Uh, cool yeah and the whole thing started very interestingly because i was at this family dinner this family dinner and uh this other uh, guy who was my age at the time he just casually said oh steven uh, do you know how you make holes in cheese i said no how he goes with a chisel and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it hit me he said it so casually and it you know how something just like hits your funny bone and you can't stop laughing and the the, the rest of the, the the that day i just kept breaking into hysterics about this joke and then it led to this whole thing that's where it came from well that's the best part that's those are the best things when you can just create based off of something that just like makes you laugh or just gives you like momentary inspiration or, you know, just, you know, comedy, you know, is such a tool, such a, like a tool to use in in film. And it was one of the reasons why I chose your film for um, love actually, because it was, uh, it, it, so this is I'll tell you I'll tell you why I chose you one one of the reasons I chose your film because it made me re- kind of think back to like I used to when I was in eighth grade I lived in Maryland and that was right around the time I was starting to think about getting into film and there was something about 
the editing and the stylization of your film that just made me feel like I was in the eighties. Like I was just, I just love this feeling of like this create this creative piece that just made me feel like it. you did a great job of kind of stylizing this film with, through the music, through the editing, through all of the, it was just a really creative way of doing it. And um, yeah, it made me really think about eighth grade. I don't know why it just, <laughs> it took me, maybe I was playing cause I was playing video games or something back then. Maybe that was what it was. Um, just right. brought me that was, back that was intentional i mean obviously the uh you know i tried to like really uh 80s 80s up the whole thing yeah and and, and it reminded me of like those 80s rom-com movies that like you know because i think the the the, the character behind the you know the the lead character I feel like in the 80s, there was always one of those guys in your class who, like, you know, was really enthusiastic either about videotaping or about magic or about, about something. And he would use it to kind of, like, show his affection for some girl that he had, like, affections for in high school, you know? It, it just was really just a really nicely... Um, if it, it felt good, it's a feel, really good feel good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the in in the uh, the, the the feature has an even uh, more feel good ending than uh, than that did. Where where in the 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 short uh, is a feel good moment of empowerment of like, all right, I'm growing mm. up, I'm moving on. Uh, in the feet in the feature, there's more characters and more development. So he gets a even happier ending uh, where uh, mm. he he or he. He his his love goes in another direction and his life goes in another direction and you really feel that for him. Mm. Um, uh, I actually as a the the feature existed first and then the proof the short came later as a uh, when I decided that I need to have a proof of concept for this uh, in which I can show that I I can show my directing skill. Right. Uh, so when I was trying to make a short out of it i thought how do i whittle this down to something of this length and i had to cut out characters and i had to really streamline it and then basically it came down to that all right well this ends where he see he sees valerie for who she is he's ready to move on and we feel like all right he's 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 turned a corner he's ready to he's ready to face life and to not be a pushover mm -hmm. So, the feature, um, like where? So, can we look forward to it sometime in the near future? I'm hoping. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's, there is. I mean, there is interest in it. Uh, there's no uh, paperwork about that interest. That, uh, right. but there's talk. I mean, the way these things always go, there's conversations and networking meeting and this part right. there, 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 uh, there, uh, there was, uh, someone who I uh, had been, had heard was interested, uh, but not with me as a director, to, just to kind of like take it uh, themselves to do it. But then the, but then there was now, now it, there is interest in me as a director because mm. now this, this proof of concept has been introduced into the conversation. Uh, I've got a, uh, I've got of course the lookbook about it and, um, 
yeah, uh, that is the story. And there, it, interestingly, there, without going into too much detail, there was there were there was plans of making the feature back in 2019, mm-hmm. which involved three different shoots. One that was going to be uh, in the fall of 2019. Another one in. Uh, the early winter of 2020 and then completing in the summer of 2020 that mm-hmm. ended up unraveling. And uh, I ended up making the proof of concept short instead. And I just so, feel so blessed that it worked out that way because of course, you know, what would have happened had we, had I done a partial feature right. and then, and then when, and then suddenly the pandemic hit and, now what am I going to do? I mean, even now, I mean, we've got the vaccine and, you know, right. it seems to be the beginning of the end a little bit. But in terms of, all right, when can we go out and regroup and do the rest of this feature? I mean, it still would be a little bit up in the air. So mm-hmm. I feel really great that just, I mean, literally a couple of months before before this happened to the world, uh, when everything was still normal, right. I got the shoot done in three days it all went well. I had a completed short that I was able to quietly finish in my editing room uh, and then release online. And I think that that worked out really great that there was, I mean, there was no loose ends with it, that I had a, a finished product. It's, uh, yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot. I've had conversations with several filmmakers over the last few um, week week and a half or so, and yeah. I think everyone said exactly the same thing. They're like, either they were either in the middle of something shooting, or right. they lucked out and they were supposed to be shooting, and for some reason beforehand it they didn't do it. And but the the, the end result is they still haven't done it. So there, it's kind of like, you know, everyone's kind of trying to get back to work slowly and you know like i know here in new york we we were talking about theaters i know they just said that they're opening theaters this weekend actually um starting here in new york to uh limited capacity i think it's like 33 percent of capacity i think yeah so um that's that's inspiring yeah no i mean especially with you getting um, news like Alamo uh, Draft House um, filing for bankrupt uh, not bankruptcy and, and reorganizing. Um, you know, it's it's sad, but I hope hopefully we can get um, get people back in the theaters. You know, when once everybody gets the COVID shot and feels a little bit more comfortable being out in public and those things. So um, so. Who so so who were some of the um inspirations you 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 drew from as as a filmmaker? Uh well I mean uh I could just tell you I mean I mean people that I really like. I mean I I love uh, all the work of uh Terry Gilliam, oh, David okay. Lynch. I mean David Lynch is amazing in that I mean I I'm very I uh not not that his things aren't plot driven, but he's one of the few that uh that as things get just incredibly weird and you don't know what's going on, that gets me even more intrigued and fascinated. And I almost love not knowing what's going on. Whereas <laughs> most anyone else, I'm very plot driven. Like when, when, when you see these 
very like incredibly almost like uh, cr- these cr- these films that are all about look how creative I am and look how abstract mm-hmm. I am. I usually find, tune out very quickly with those because I think, well, well I, I I don't care what happens next. Right. But with his, with his stuff, it's so. The way that he does it is so amazing in that uh, the the reboot of Twin Peaks was really, really weird. And it just went and and, and the weirder it got, the more I was just like entranced by it. Um, Not that not that I, you know, not that that's my style. I mean, it, it just I guess it's just when you see people who are just so great at what they do and like really harness creativity in such a way, it just inspires you to, well, I I want to do, I want to do my thing, you know, Uh, but in terms of, you know, a particular style, I I guess it's things like, uh, I I love the idea of chaos. Mm. I love the, you know, I I love the the, the idea of things spiraling out of control where one thing leads to another. And then there's this domino effect. I know Mm. there's a movie uh, after hours inspired me a lot uh, in that, one thing leads to another and then it just gets more and more chaotic uh it's a mad 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 world uh oh, in, in in a similar respect um yeah, yeah. like that and uh this uh, also uh there's something about mary uh <laughs> was a comedy in that i mean uh, in in a sense uh, uh, adam is a little bit like uh, the ben stiller character and mm. again there's chaos and that kind of um uh i i'm a great fan of subtlety where like some sometimes there's uh like this there's subtle m- moments in a movie that uh make me laugh more than the overt ones right and it, there was an interesting moment for the movie castaway tom hanks movie mm. uh i saw that in the theater and obviously that's not a comedy but uh there was <laughs> there was a there's a early on when he's on the island and he tries to escape by by making these various rafts right and he go he takes the raft and he goes out on the water and the water is just it's just too violent for him to leave, try to even escape and he gets the the waves thrust him around and he falls into the ocean and he he gets hit by coral and it's ooh, ow, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, <laughs> and literally i was in the theater and I was cackling, laughing, and no one else was laughing, of course. And <laughs> and it was just me alone, like laughing at that. Uh, it, to me, it just seemed like slapstick. But it, but again, it's the subtlety of it, and I'm a big fan of subtlety. And then there are certain things that I find I do, if I find it funny, I go with it. I mean, I think that's the mm-hmm. thing is that you have to entertain yourself first. And I mean, there's things. I mean, no one is going to like everything, but I feel right. like I feel like you can't you can't be creative in order to cater to what you think someone else will think because you could make, if you cater it to one person, then someone else is not going to like it. You just have to go with the flow and do what you like. I always know that I I know that what I'm writing has a problem. If I'm like really if I'm like really struggling and making notes and and thinking like how to make it work, uh, even if it's like, you know, intellectually a good idea, I think it's probably not working, but you know, it's good when, you know, you're you're in the shower, and then suddenly, oh my god, oh, and you have to like quickly get out and get a towel, and like, uh, you know, where you where you can't get it, you're afraid you're gonna lose it, and you have to like yep. type it out as fast as you can. That's when you know that uh, there's a good chance that there's something there. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, as a comedian and, and uh, we have the thing where we always carry our, our, we always have a notebook with us at some point. It's always one by our bed. Um, I always have one handy because you never know when an idea is going to strike. And, um, you know, like this, this one here, I always carry with me and the worst time for that inspiration to happen for me is when I'm asleep. I, it, it drives me crazy. Like I will have like this incredible dream about something that's really hilarious. And then I will get, I'll have to wake up, try to wake myself up, turn the lights on and, um, figure out how, like how to remember it and write it down. And to the point where I ended up buying, um, this pen, there's a pen that has like what the tip of the pen is both the pen and it's a light. So you can light and write at the same time. And, um, I, you know, those moments to me are, um, I don't know. I think that's part of the reason why I love being like a storyteller because those lightning bolts are incredible, man. When you get an inspiration for something like yeah. you, just, you just see it in your head. So visually, you know, that you, Oh, that's, I, you know, and it, I, you, cause I used to not carry the notebook. I always thought I could just remember it. Then I started, not remembering things and i was just like yeah i think i need to start carrying the book around with me so i've got tons of like these little notebooks just you know i have stuff stuffed everywhere in bags and book bags and backpacks and just in case i forget at home i always have something with me i, I used I to have a, i do have a i do have a, a quick funny story that that, that just reminds yeah. me of that uh there was a point that i wanted to record my dreams hmm. and like I, I would have these vivid dreams and uh and of course you know you get you you go into the waking world uh too quickly and uh and then you forget it all so i thought let me just record it as soon as i wake up so i had this tape recorder right next to my bed and hmm. as soon as i woke up i would like record the dream and uh and then move on with my day but but here's what happened was that i would i would have the vivid dream i'd record it and then like i'd get into the day and i'd realize oh wow that's amazing i i i had this vivid dream i i forgot what it was let me listen to the recording and see what it and see what i would have forgotten otherwise and of course it's just <laughs> you're like your sleep your sleep self was like yeah that makes total sense your wake self what the hell is yep. this? <laughs> literally not translatable yeah i you're actually i used to keep a recorder and yeah that's exactly what would happen like i would go and i record and it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever yeah <laughs> that's why I, like even writing sometimes i just end up writing words that like 
they don't make any sense or it's it, it's so scribbled out that I don't understand what I wrote. It's um there's an episode of Seinfeld that's I think that that covers this where he supposedly wrote something while he was asleep and he can't figure out what it is. So he goes through the whole day asking different people, what do you think this says? And everyone's, everyone's got different opinions. Like, oh, Lakers 132, Boston 117. He's like, what? And then he gets to the end of the, the whole show and realizes he finally sees the TV show where he got the inspiration from. And he's like, that that's not funny. I don't. Why is that funny? That's not funny, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it it, it is the it is the crux that we live in for inspiration. You know, if only we could just download our our memories into like a, like a recorder, so we could just watch it. Oh, that would be awesome. Because then I could just remember my movie, and then I wouldn't have to actually film it. Um, what's the um you know, so uh, from a career-wise, you know, goal of things, where, like, if you know, like, say for the feature film for this, um, it, is it your goal? Like, if you had to choose, would you? And someone said, like, I have a okay, I'm, I have a friend who's a filmmaker who um, wanted to produce his produce, direct, act in. Right, he did pretty much everything. Like he right. casted the whole bit, and when he was trying to, he was going to try to sell it. Um, a lot of people's feedback was that they would buy the they would buy the script. They didn't want him directing, or they didn't want him editing, or they didn't want you know. Um, and of course, he in, ended up funding it, funding it himself, doing it himself, which is you know fine. It probably didn't go to where he wanted to go heights wise. Right. But, you know, I guess my question is, is there a, is there something that you just wouldn't give up in order to get certain projects done? You know what I mean? Like, do you want to retain the director line or do you want to, you say, ah, director line, I can give up, but I do want to be this or, you know. Uh, well, in terms of life on pause, that I, 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 I really, really feel like that's my story to tell. Right. Uh, I've lived with it. I've lived with it. I've lived with those characters. I live that life. I know what that's about. I picture it in my mind. And it's just been around so long uh, that and I have such a clear picture of it uh, that I feel like that in particular is my story to tell uh mm. and i want to direct it i also you know fully realize that in order to do that that it needs to be very independent meaning that it needs to be uh someone writes a check because they like the idea and they are willing to see it come to life right. uh obviously i mean i've i've been in this business long enough to know, I mean, I mean, just, just editing promos for TV. Right. I mean, when, when, when you're dealing with a, a writer producer, 
uh, and you and the writer producer put something together and then you hand it off to a creative director and then the creative director hands it off to their boss. I mean, when you get a lot of cooks involved, uh, it's all, it always changed, even up for, even for something 30 seconds long, right. once, once you get into the business uh, aspect of it, uh, things will be altered and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Uh, in terms of what I would be able to do, I mean, ideally, uh, and that that's why uh, it, to me, the idea of like, you know, not, not, that, not that I see it as being realistic, but just from a conceptual standpoint, the idea of like selling it to a studio uh, or having a studio, I mean, obviously a studio would not, let me direct it um but even but even so because of all that i am look i would like to d work with a production company you know find a find a production company of like mind uh who loves the idea and just get involved with it with them uh and i also am very collaborative meaning that um i'm i've never been these are my ideas and i'm very rigid and this is what i and it's only going to be this way right. i love i love the idea of collaborating and getting other ideas and and uh, uh and opening up my eyes to things that i wouldn't have thought of otherwise right. uh and i think that that would ultimately happen uh and i think that would be wonderful but but from a creative standpoint, that would be wonderful. From right. like a corporate standpoint, it would not be. In other words, where if it's like if it was if it was in the hands of some of, of an entity that was large enough that things had to be changed for more business reasons, that would be kind of heartbreaking for me. But the idea of like getting involved on a sort of lower level with a production company and other creatives and collaborating uh, to make something really wonderful. Uh, I love that idea. Mm, mm. Well, uh, you know, uh, do you act in any of your work? Uh, I used to a lot. Um, lately I have, uh, I have not, um, but, a lot of people say keep telling me that I should <laughs> that oh you should be in it uh, you, uh, 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 lately there's a part of me that just kind of wants to be behind the camera uh, right. but I, I I think I think part of that might be because I've spent so much time sitting in editing rooms by myself yeah, yeah. so where I mean I mean in those instances you're you're in a corporate environment or whatever. And you're just sitting in the editing room doing your thing. And then when the producer says, oh, there's like some like uh, social event going on upstairs, you want to come. And then suddenly you're like stepping up. Oh, I'm going to talk to people. Uh, and then you feel like you're like out of your zone. Like I, I, I just sit behind a computer and I edit. So yeah. I think that might have a little bit of something to do with it. Um, but uh, I, I, I think really it's a matter of just seeing oh this this would be a, but knowing like i wouldn't i wouldn't put myself in there just for you know for the sake of doing it it would only be if i really thought that oh i think i think i'd be good for that role i wouldn't right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it just to give myself something to do right 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 uh yeah that makes sense i mean you know you know you i think if you if you're a smart director you you don't want to take away from the the film if you know but if it makes sense and and, and it adds to what you're doing you know of course it's all hands on deck you know to try to get 
you know, get what you're trying to do done the right way. Um, The, so if you were, um, if there's, you know, if there was a, any young film makers um, out there, um, what piece of advice would you give them from the standpoint of trying to get their first projects, you know, directed or like, or better yet, what are some things that you learned along the way that you would impart to some younger filmmakers that might help them kind of debug, you know, their, their process or their experience? Well, uh, one is to be really, really, really organized. And that, that, that is, to, I, I, I'm, I, I like obsess about being organized because I'm so nervous about what could go wrong that I use that nervous energy to plan everything as detailed as one can. You never know exactly what's going to happen. But for Life on Pause, it worked in that I took the storyboard and I literally like cut and paste all the different uh, panels uh, on a day-to-day basis, meaning like, all right, tomorrow's shoot is going to be this, this, and this. And I had, so the storyboard was not the order of the film. The storyboard was the order of what we're going to shoot and when and why. And as I did that, I would see little inconsistencies or I thought, oh, you know, I thought this would be better if we do this here, but really it would be more convenient if we did it earlier in the day because we're already doing, and I would like really, really obsess about it. And there were, there were definitely points that I was so glad that I did. There was one scene uh, in which uh, there's actually uh, a couple of different versions of the film that I I did that I knew that I was going to do in advance that had different endings or uh, certain characters have additional lines. And I knew that it wouldn't be a problem as long as I did it in a way that utilized the shoots as they were already planned. So it's just basically like, let's do another take where we do this line. But as I was doing it, uh, it went fine, but it was, it, it was obvious that had I just like thought, Oh, we'll do that other line the same time we do this and i just was winging it it would have been a mess and i and i mean it would have been like people would have been i would have been confused they would have been confused so my advice would be like to not think oh i got this and basically like to always assume i don't got this right you know and and the more you can plan just really overly plan and then overly plan as much as possible assume things are going to go wrong don't assume things are going to go right assume they're going to go. I mean, uh, I assume things are going to go wrong and everything went fine and we finished early and it was great and people had a great time, but that's, but part of that is because I was like constantly assuming the worst. Right. Uh, And then the other thing is to, is to not, is to really be collaborative and not, uh, you know, look, you, you look in the mirror and you say, I love doing this. You don't look in the mirror and say, I'm the shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that, you know, you, you just sit, you look and you say, you say, oh, wow, this is so much fun. I love this. This is what I'm passionate about. But I think the idea of being open to other ideas, being open to collaboration and making it into a, you know, a friendly business where we all get together and we have a good time. It's not about this is my thing and, and my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing, too, is that especially I mean, it's it's the kind of thing where you could very easily get kind of full of yourself and you do that and 
it's just not good for anyone really so those would be the two things be really organized and be collaborative wow i mean that's um that's it's interesting you say that because i i think that's one of the things i tell young filmmakers is um you know like two things to be be organized and the second thing is just like before you even start anything the one thing you need to just delete from your verbiage is fix it in post just delete that get get rid of that because the more you plan up front and and do things the right way when you're shooting the less you have to do in post don't always leave everything to post because i think sometimes a lot of filmmakers when they 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 think oh i'll just fix it in post i'm like really i mean i feel like you could do it you could do it without having to do that i mean just why go there it's not a end-all be-all fix-all terminology you know what i mean and i think when you do that it leads to you not being organized in the you know because you just assume i can just fix it later but sometimes when you try to fix it later it doesn't look as good or it doesn't sound as good on, 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 you know, so, and you can tell, I can tell, like, let me tell you something. One, the one thing that I've learned, like from doing all these film festivals is how to tell when someone has done certain things right during the process with their finished pieces. And, and, you know, I tell them like, if you want to get into film festivals, just got to remember it is incredibly tough. It is, I mean, you, you got thousands of filmmakers per festival trying to submit, which means you have to be, you have to have eliminated any excuses for them to not want you into the festival first. At that point, then it just becomes about whether it fits what they're trying to do that year in, their, in, in the programming. And that's really it. Because I think a lot of people, a lot of filmmakers eliminate themselves before they even submit the film. And I can't tell you, like, I'm a small, I'm just a small festival, I'm a small showcase. I get 200 or so films a year. You know, that's just me. And I'm only on one. I'm normally my festival is three hours, one night, one year. So out of 200, that's 12 films, 12 to 15 films that normally get submitted, uh, get accepted. So that's not a great turnaround. So imagine trying to get into Tribeca or Sundance right. or any of these other places. So it just bodes to, like you said, I think being very organized, like right from the beginning, just eliminate as many issues as you possibly can because at that point it's just about the storytelling that's it you just you just want to worry about have you done what you're supposed to do the way you know and that's it you shouldn't have to worry about like well i did it but now i gotta still fix it in post uh, just eh. i just right. I, I get squeamish when people tell me that because it doesn't work. It doesn't always work out for people. And, and if they don't have a good audio engineer, they don't have a good editor. They don't have a good uh, cinematographer. Then, then there's a lot of stuff that post is not going to fix. One thing I would, 
one thing I would add to that is that uh, it's totally true that you don't think I'm going to fix it in post. Right. But what you do is you think very heavily about post right. when you shoot. In other words, uh, instead of thinking, let me fix it in post, as you do the shoot, you're already visualizing the post very specifically. Uh, and one thing that that does is uh, it, it, it enables you to be efficient uh, in the shoot. Mm -hmm. But uh, like what you know, all right, uh, I know that I'm deaf, especially if, if, you know, I mean, for me, I'm the editor. So yeah. I know I can very easily know there's no way I'm going to need this angle. Uh, beyond this point in the script right. it's just waste of footage and it's a waste of time right. i know i'm not going to need it as right. opposed to certain things where where i think gee i really don't know exactly how this is going to be so i'm going to need more coverage here so so the idea is to think about to not think i'm going to fix it in post right. but to already be envisioning post before you even are on the shoot or right. and on the shoot you're 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 thinking about not how you're going to fix it, but you're thinking about how you're already preparing for it. Right, right, absolutely. Oh, one question too. So I think people might find this very interesting coming from someone who's who's been a longtime editor. How would you how would you recommend that a young editor, a young filmmaker, choose an editor to work with? Like, what would be some questions you'd you'd want to ask or what would be some things you'd want to see from the editor to to know that this is an editor that you should be working with i think well i mean part of it is just seeing is seeing their work i mean i uh, for me uh, when i when i look at other editing uh i mean you could see where people i mean y y y there's so many factors to it that are very subtle that you just need to know it's right. It's a matter, uh, of course, of pacing. It's mm -hmm. a matter of like there being a um, that it's it's not just about fast or pacing. It's about an ebb and flow of pacing and mm -hmm. knowing when, uh, getting a feel for when people are going to want to see more of this or people are going to get you know, are going to are going to want to see less of this. Mm -hmm. But also, it's having a very good sense of where is the eye at any given point of time because you're not just looking at the screen you're looking at an item or an event or a person on the screen so right. for shot a uh if the if it's happening in the up in the upper left hand corner of the screen and then shot b you've got something happening in the uh bottom right the eye is not going to catch it you're not going to mm. you, you need to know where where are the eyeballs how are the eyeballs moving from one shot to the next? Uh, and so, I, I mean, if I were going to hire someone to, to edit and I wasn't going to edit myself, I would need to see that. Because I see stuff, I mean, I see stuff uh, all the time where, whoever, where the editors clearly didn't really have a sense of that. Right. Uh, I mean, you can, of course, I think it's knowing those rules and then knowing when you can break them, but breaking them on purpose in order to achieve a goal. Right. I don't, there's, there's no, uh, there, there's no situation in which I can just break the rules because uh, it doesn't matter. It always matters. It's a question of what, what, what's the end goal to it. Mm. So that's what I would say is, is really having a sense of pacing and flow and that every shot counts. 
it, not one not one shot uh, um, even for like a frame uh, it's always it's got to be there for a reason and uh, and it's all about the flow uh, so that's what I would say mm, mm. yeah yeah uh, I coming from uh, being a, a comic book artist um, I completely understand that because um, when you create a like in comic you know when you do panels for a comic book, there's always a matter of kind of understanding the flow of the page and where the eye is going to land each time. So it takes you through the story on the page in this very like symmetric way. And then, like you said, there's a time and place when you want to break whatever that rule is in order to like, um, maybe it's like, um, you know, a, a superhero bashing through the wall, something exciting that just happened that breaks the eye line, that, that breaks up the moment. Right. So that way you suddenly started a different, a new beginning or a new eye line for the next frame, you know, or the next page. Um, those are the kind of like understand. And I think that comes, I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think for a filmmaker, like I always tell people, Get yourself a good editor, a good DP, and you're halfway, you're like more than halfway there to having a good film. And add a good sound person and you're golden. You know, yeah. like that to me is those are three, like everybody else, you can fit, you can figure out. But those three on your, on, those are the three people, if you get right, there's a lot of good things that can happen from that. And, um, and especially with edit, because I think those three individuals understand or should hopefully understand storytelling. And because it's what they do is essential to the to telling whatever story is being happening on the screen or in the sound of the screen or what's going on. Like, you know, there's a lot, a lot of times when you can, like, I, I used to love, um, Love the uh, the audio uh, like a story radio like they're doing it on podcast where they used to do like the um, uh, live shows on radio where like Batman would do stuff and the Green Hornet and all the different sound effects and things like that. Yeah. I used to love that because you it, 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 even though you didn't see anything, you were immersed in the story, and I think there's a certain part of that that you know like that's part of the storytelling of your film as well. And that sometimes becomes a lost art in, in like when for younger filmmakers, because they don't, they think they don't think about that as part of the storytelling. They just think of it's kind of like background music or, you know, I'm like, no, it's, it's part of the storytelling. Well, it's, it's why like episodes of Miami Vice or um, The Pianist or um, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, it's why those films were so good because the audio was great and it told the story without, like if you turned off the picture and you still listened, you'd still feel like this is an interesting story happening. And then the editing obviously adds to that. And then the cinematography, I mean, so it's all part of the overall storytelling um, process in the film. So, you know, 
I I have a sheet that I give people like they'll ask me, you know, you know, for help on, oh, it's my first film. I'm trying to figure out what I should do next. And the first three lines of my film, uh, my thing is, is make sure like these three people start looking at these three people, start talking to people, networking, try to find and, and talk to as many as you can, see what they've done, look at their work, you know, and if you don't already have somebody and if you don't, if you don't have somebody just do a good review of those people and then ask around, find some films you, that you really love and are an example of what you're trying to do and find out who was the, the editor on it, who was the cinematographer, who was the, you know, and, and see if you can't pick their brains or, or, or something, you know, so. Makes, makes such a, a big difference. I had I had one situation where I had for the masterpiece. There was I had a sound guy one day mm. uh, uh, that could have been a disaster. We were actually shooting uh, in a store uh, that I had very limited access to, where I think they were giving me like the morning from like seven to noon or something, and then mm. we had to be out of there. And I was doing one of those like uh, interviews, the fake interviews, and. Uh, and you know, and my role was basically just to like kind of conduct the interview, the fake, and uh, and listen to what the actress was saying and so forth. But something, I, I got this weird sense that something wasn't right. I looked at the sound guy, and he had this blank expression on his face. And this was one of those cameras where you could see the VU meter. And I was looking at it, and I noticed that when she was talking. Like the the VU meter was not correlating with her talk. Like I, 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 I saw it out of the corner of my eye where she's talking, but the thing was just kind of like consistent. <laughs> and I said, and I said, uh, do you mind if I just like listen to the headphones for a second? And he goes, yeah, sure. Sure thing, dude. And so I go and I listen to the headphones. The guy is recording ambient sound from outside. So in other words, her, I guess I guess her mic, her lav, was not patched directly into the oh. camera somehow, and the the camera itself was only getting stuff from outside, and he was just sitting there with headphones on, like what? How? What was he listening to? Yeah, what are you listening to? I mean, and so I said, and so I said, yeah, uh, we need to stop this, and you need to you need to get her audio, and he was <laughs> struggling with it for a while, sweating, and eventually he was like. I don't know what to tell you, bro. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, bro. Uh, and then uh, eventually, eventually he got it and all was fine. But I mean, I was thinking <laughs> if I didn't have like, it's almost like, like the universe was like descending on me to like, Steve, turn towards the camera, <laughs> get involved in the sound of this. Uh, but that's the thing is that you really need to, you, you you can't have people that you need to chaperone in that way. Yeah. I mean, you need you. There's so much you need to do. Yeah. You need to know that you've got people who are experts in their field and they're doing their part, and you can just rely on them, uh, sure. both from a creative, a technical, reliability standpoint. Uh, it's so important. And yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I do podcast so i know the problems with audio trust me yeah. oh good gravy yeah <laughs> so dude um this was fun man i i'm i am glad you uh came on the on the show i, sure and, thing. I thank you for inviting me and um i like i said i really enjoyed this your 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 short 
life on pause. And I, when you, when you're, when you're, you know, let me know if I can help with anything trying to get your feature done. Cause sure thing. I think, um, I think it would be really, I think it would be a really good summer movie, like a good, like, you know, spring summer movie to me, to me. I, I feel like that it, it should, people need to watch this. Uh, and I haven't even seen a feature, but I, I've seen you, I've seen your short and the shorts good. Um, and, um, I, Oh, one thing I was going to mention to you was I was, like I said, I was watching some of the stuff you did on your site. I don't know how I missed the, um, walking dead football thing. I don't know how I missed that. Cause that, that, that made me laugh, man. I was like, I was sitting here before the show cracking up because I was like, wait, what? Like Walking Dead football team. What? What? What's going on here? Yeah, it was it was very very funny, but the editing was really good, actually. So, well, that that um, was an example. That was an example of uh, like really like you know uh, taking the time to make it right. I mean that the concept was not mine. The concept was right. AMC's, uh, right. but they wanted. I mean, they wanted to uh, have. Uh, I think I think it was like going to be at the same time as like the Monday Night Football or. Uh, or it was it was a Super Bowl weekend, is what Super it was. Weekend, yeah, so they yeah. wanted they wanted to have people like do them instead of watching the Super Bowl, they they watch a marathon of like a couple of seasons of Walking Dead. So they wanted to have like a football themed Walking Dead spot. So what I did was I just literally uh, went through every episode that existed from beginning to end, and mm. and I just looked at every single shot, and I and I and if it. It was any way that I thought it could resemble football in a way. I pulled it and I had like an, a huge collection and I gradually whittled it down. And uh, and also the great when when you're working for uh, uh, companies like that. I mean, they had a last minute uh, whim of, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we got the actual Monday Night Football guy? And uh, and I thought, OK, is that really going to happen? Yeah. And it, they just made it happen. They contacted his agent. They got him to record it at the last minute. Uh, and they got the actual uh, music, the Monday Night Football music. So, I mean, you've got you've got all this stuff that to add legitimacy to it, uh, blended with the fact that, uh, you know, you've got things like running, kicking, jumping, you know, that's all completely edited uh, out of context. It, that must have taken forever to do, to go through all that. Because, I mean, that's that's a significant amount of footage to have. That's to a lot, yeah. I, I think the advantage I had there was I knew that I knew about that project pretty far in advance. So oh, I was okay. at the time I was doing walking dead previously ons and uh, you know, the uh, previously on the walking dead. Right. And uh, I was doing a bunch of those, but I knew this thing was coming up. So as soon as I had like a moment where we're like waiting for client response immediately, I was like, all right, let me go back to the, search and i would go exactly where i left off and start scanning all right pull this for football pull that for football pull this and then eventually i had um uh, a collection of stuff that i could put together to kind of like put it to re-edit zombies into the context of a of a sport <laughs> so wow. yeah. well, it was yeah it was really funny I, I literally really funny and you chose some good scenes it was really yeah. 
This oh, really yeah, I, I think this is Daryl. We're going to stomp your ass. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> we're going to stomp. Like, yeah. it really could have been like a college game, you know, or like tailgating. Yeah. yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. Good job, man. Good job. Thanks. Um, so where, oh, people can follow you um, on um Instagram and Twitter, I believe. I think I have it queued up here. People can follow you on uh, Life on Pause movie. That's that. That is Instagram. Yes. Cool. And um, what's what's coming next for you? Anything else going before uh, we go? Anything oh, else? I, gotta, I have a I have a, a small short that I'm planning that's uh, based on an incident where I got caught inside my own coat at a laundromat <laughs> like a straight jacket. I was yes it's a it's a long story basically I was in a laundromat this is years ago and <laughs> it was very hot and I wanted to try to take my coat off and the zipper got stuck and I kept pulling at it and then it got locked up underneath my chin <sighs> and then I try then I tried to pull it off my head by taking uh, my arms and putting them inside the coat and then my arms were stuck and it was like I was in a straitjacket. So I have a, I have a very short idea, like maybe like a five pager uh, story about that, which is kind of like where the guy goes to the laundromat and he has all these fantasies about uh, this girl that he knows that's there that he wants to approach. And he's trying to think about all these machismo kind of ways to approach her. And then this happens. And then it turns out that the punchline is that she's the only one that can help him because she knows like the special treatment with a bobby pin to like undo it uh, and then and, and so that's like a human moment so it's only like five pages but that's kind of like a short that i'm planning and then i've got a couple of other i've got another feature that i'm writing and uh and the big but the biggest thing is uh focusing on life on pause the feature wow well i i like the idea for this for the short that's actually pretty funny yeah I could see that. Yeah. I could see that happening to someone getting trapped in a car. <laughs> well, well, it happened. <laughs> Holy man. And, I, 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 and it, as soon as it happened, I mean, it was so ridiculous and embarrassing that literally, like, as soon as it got resolved, that night, that while I was there, I, like, immediately, like, started, like, pulled out and started like typing it up like so i didn't forget it because i thought this is this is a gem <laughs> that's a good idea so, you can, like, like, so many things happened at my own expense that i realized like <laughs> this is awful this is awful and i love it <laughs> i'm gonna say you're like you might be like the hmm i don't know if i can keep feeding my own stories here i need to that's right yeah <laughs> that's like here here i go falling into some protagonist situation again yeah, <laughs> well, as long as hey, as long as as long as you can make films out of it, you know, I guess right, right. have to keep doing it. I guess yeah, someone's got to suffer. It might as well be you. Um, <laughs> write what you know. Write what you, write what you know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Steve, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, I really appreciate right. you joining us. And uh, everyone, please check out Life on Pause movie. Uh, Instagram um, and look forward to the to the feature because uh, it's going to be good. So and you heard it here first. I don't want to hear anybody else say they thought about it first. It heard it on this podcast first. There you so. go. All right. Well, thanks everyone. I'm Darren Jenkins. This was another episode of Drop the Mic. Check us out on.
of Instagram. Check me out on Instagram at Darren Jenkins 919. And uh, you can check us out, uh, our podcast, out on digthispodcast.com. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone. Take care.